What's going on everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Unscripted, the show that brings you professionals from all walks of life, touching on their backstory, their mindset, and how they navigate through adversity and opposition, while providing you practical tips that might help you on your path. I'm your host, two-time Olympian, Olympic bronze medalist, author, and motivational speaker, Akeem Haynes. Now, let's get into the episode. This week on the show, she's an executive coach for startups, founder and host of Millennial Life School. Sharon Killonhan joins me on the show. In 2020-2021, Sharon was recognized as one of the top pro, top 4% life coaches on Thumbtack. She's someone who is passionate about helping ambitious millennials find clarity in their vision, helping them gain self-awareness and take actions on their dreams. She works with a global community of startup founders and people in various stages of life and career, helping them to think deeper, explore solutions, and live a joyful, purpose-driven life. Sharon has a heart and desire to help people, but it wasn't until she hit a quarter-life crisis that really made her think about what exactly she wanted to do and what it would look like. And that's when she quit her corporate job and decided to make a decision that would impact her for the years to come. In this episode, we get into reflections on the life of her grandfather, early life in Seoul, South Korea, moving to America and what she learned in her early years of getting there, how she dealt with her self-imposed expectations, graduating at the top of her classes, why she felt it was time to leave her corporate job, her personal development journey, finding purpose in helping others, and the purpose behind Millennial Life School, and so much more. Sometimes we feel stuck at times, wondering how did we get here or what do we do next? Sharon has been there, and this episode, she walks us through how she finds purpose in the midst of navigating through life's uncertainty. So before we get into the episode, if you've been following the show over the years and you've been enjoying the episodes, I ask that you do me a favor and leave a rating and review of the podcast, wherever you can leave podcast ratings and review. This small act goes a long way in moving the podcast forward and will be greatly, greatly appreciated. Also, over the years, I've been getting a lot of different questions and people asking to sit down for coffee for certain different things and certain different topics. So I have virtually created something that would allow us to do so. It's called virtual coffee. This is all about having a conversation on whatever you feel like you need to discuss. Maybe you need someone to listen. Maybe you need some advice, whatever the case may be. Perhaps you just want to sit down and talk about life. Well, I have provided an option of how we can do that. And you can find that on my website, which I will leave in the description below. So if that's something that you are into and would like to have a discussion on life, maybe it's advice, whatever the case may be, the topic is on you, then perhaps then we can find a way to do so. So with all that being said, enjoy this week's episode with Sharon Kilonan. Hello. Sharon. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. Akeem, nice to see you. <laughs> I'm looking forward to our conversation today, Sharon. Uh, but I first have to say, um, very sorry to hear about your grandfather. Um, I understand that one. Uh, I lost my grand, one of my grandmothers, uh, January this year, and. When you lose people, it kind of puts like things into a, a perspective from a mortality standpoint. But I'm curious, Sharon, what 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 did your grandfather mean to you? Like, what were some of the what type of man was he? 
Mm. Well, but I actually haven't talked to anyone about this. Uh, it just happened uh, two days ago, yeah. so yeah. it's still pretty fresh. Um, I just saw him on Sunday, like the day before with my sister. Um, I'm really glad we went because, you know, we didn't know when he was going to pass, but we knew that, you know, his health was, you know, on a sharp decline. Um, well, first of all, um, this one kind of... Uh, Absolutely, take your time. Yes. <laughs> mm, I was really sad about this because he's actually was my last, like, grandparent. Yeah. Um, so... Well, my dad's side grandfather, actually, he passed away when my mom was pregnant with me. Um, and then my mom's side grandparents uh, passed away when I was seven or no, not seven, a little bit uh, shortly after I came to America. Yeah. So the grandfather that just passed away, he's actually my great uncle. So mm. he's the younger brother of my mom's uh, dad. Yeah. Um, but he's kind of like, it was always my only figure of grandfather um but he's the one he gave my name sharon wow so, <laughs> yeah so when i came to america when i was seven years old uh i was trying to pick out different names and then my sister and i i was seven my sister was nine and one of our favorite american movies that we were watching when we first came was this movie called annie i don't know if you know yes yes yeah <laughs> they, made a, they made a remake of that not too long ago uh -huh. yeah so i mean we didn't know a lot about english names but we <laughs> saw that and we were trying to like fight over the name annie but my sister was like i'm gonna be annie so you be jenny so at first, we, I was like, okay, I'll be Jenny, you be Annie. And then we went to a church and then we're like, hi, we're Annie and Jenny. And then everyone just started laughing and we didn't really understand why. Um, to this day, I don't know really why. But um, after that, we're like, okay, we're not keeping this name. We got to think of a different name. Um, and I had no idea. And so I was over at my grandpa's house and he was like, oh, you should be Sharon. Mm -hmm. uh, it's his favorite hymn, uh, Jesus, Rose of Sharon. Mm -hmm. uh, he had just recently like um, sang that song as like a solo song at church before. Mm -hmm. um, but he is always saying that he loved that. And so he gave me my name, Sharon. Um, and he's the one who actually told me uh, the stories of my great grandfather. When I was young, I had no idea what my grand who my great grandfather was. But he was really passionate about uh, letting us know about our family history yeah. and about our faith history. So yeah. my great grandfather, he was uh, one of the first groups of pe people from Korea to go to Hawaii back in the days when they're doing like sugar plantation stuff. So my great grandfather went to Hawaii when he was young, maybe like 19 years old or something like that, uh, to work at the sugarcane farms. And then he was actually arrested uh, because there was like a revolt that happened with the Korean uh, sugar plantation workers mm. and the owners because they weren't treating them fairly. They weren't giving them the promised wages and things like that. And my great grandfather, because he was young and he was one of those uh, Korean people who picked up English for the uh, pretty fast. Yeah. So he was there kind of translating for the people who were 
you know, uh, revolting and who were uh, protesting. And so they thought my great grandfather was a leader. Wow. So they put him in jail. And actually, it was there in jail that he met Jesus through someone who came to preach the gospel in prison. And he had different like supernatural experiences, encounters and dreams and such. And he was sent back to Korea as a missionary. And he actually helped start multiple different churches in Korea. And he founded an orphanage that is still running in the family today. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, you know, he's so amazing. <laughs> Uh, so faithful, so uh, God honoring. Um, and he would always say like, oh, yeah, I wake up every day, exercise, read the Bible, pr you know, sing some hymn songs yeah. uh, and praise God. And that's how he always started his day. And, you know, I'm just grateful uh, to, you know, um, have gotten to make a lot of memories with him, uh, take him out to his favorite meals have these conversations, learn about my family history. And I just hope that I can continue to carry this family legacy of loving God and loving others well, because, you know, I saw how he exemplified that. Yeah, so, I mean, you're doing you're doing yeah. just that, Cher. And I think um, it's one of those things where, like, you know, I lost my grandfather when I was, like, 14, and that really affected me because apart from my father, that was the first man that I saw loved me genuinely right and mm -hmm. one of the things with loss is we often stop talking about who we lost but it, it, it life it, life is a celebration and to be able to talk about them and to share it that's how we keep it alive right so even though it's still fresh thank you for sharing that um he had seeds of, of obviously faith but perseverance which trickled down to you mm -hmm. we're gonna go back a little bit how mm -hmm. i usually start the show because <laughs> something that you said about your grandfather mm -hmm. he wakes up and does a couple things every single day to get himself mm -hmm. in the right mood in the right state of mind so sharon give me three things that you are grateful for today um well one i'm really grateful to be talking with you akim <laughs> and to, to have this opportunity to be on the podcast it is such an honor and i'm really really grateful and i was looking forward to this um another thing that i'm grateful for is one um just you know reflecting on what just recently happened yes. um, i'm just grateful for the time that i do have and I think it just makes me realize like how precious every day is and every people who are in my family are. Um, yeah, and just grateful for this day, this opportunity to be sharing um, a little bit about my grandfather and also a little bit about some things that God's been teaching me with you today. So. Yeah, you've 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 been the past couple of years have been flying by, Sharon. I see all the things that you have <laughs> going on. Um, you moved to uh, America the same age that I moved to Canada. So we got to go back again to Seoul, <laughs> South Korea, Sharon. What, what do you remember most about those times? Uh, Korea was so fun. Um, <laughs> I um, absolutely loved my childhood. 
Uh, I remember uh, recently I've been rewatching this Korean drama. It's called Reply 1988. Mm -hmm. But rewatching that actually reminds me a lot about my childhood. Yeah. So in that scene, it's like about Korea back in 88. Um, but Korea now, I think, especially Seoul, looks very different. Yeah. But back then, even when I was still there in that small town in Seoul, uh, it was actually very like close knit. I was, you know, we had neighbors and everyone who cared about each other's business and stuff like that. So I remember when I was young and my parents would go to church early in the morning for like morning prayer or something like that. Yeah. I would always wake up and I would just start crying like crazy. Cause they were gone. The, yeah, because they were gone. Yeah. I was a huge crybaby growing up. <laughs> and then my uh, the next door neighbor was a grandma and she would come and she would like try to make me stop crying and things like that. And I had my friends living in the neighborhood and my mom would make something like a little side dish or something and be like hey bring this over to your friends so i would just take the side dish yeah. to walk over to my friends yeah. give it to them and then they'll be like wait hold on don't go yet and then they would give me something else and then i would carry that over for our family for our dinner and things like that but it was very warm um and so much fun and my parents and my mom she was an organ major and she mm. taught piano so in our house we used to always have people come over learn piano and just have a lot of visitors at our small little place in, in Seoul yeah. um but yeah that was great so Sharon, how, how did you get to America right because that's a that's a that's the other side of the world yeah. and unless you're <laughs> intentional about mm -hmm where you're looking what you're trying to do you don't just pick this place of all places mm -hmm. like how did that happen because you came with your parents right mm -hmm. yeah so it happened really fast um i think we moved within like a month so wow. <laughs> yeah so what happened was there was a church in um california and mm -hmm. they needed a pastor so they talked with my dad and they invited him to come to America to be the head pastor of that church. Um, but a lot of things weren't uh, set. So my mom told me, like, don't tell anyone that you're going to America because we're not sure yet. Um, and the day that we were sure was when we were actually moving to America. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fine. I remember it was so funny because the day that we we're leaving to America, I was standing outside and even until that day I haven't told any of my uh, school friends that I'm going to America but I was outside in my neighborhood and my friend was walking to school and she was like Sharon or Kiron which is my Korean name is like Kiron why aren't you going to school and I was like oh I'm going to America and she was like oh that's so funny see you later and then yeah. and then we just left so I yeah, guess she yeah. never saw me but yeah, so we came to America because of my dad, um, so that he can uh, pastor a church. But that's like a whole nother story. I think at that time, I was so young that I didn't really understand what was like everything that was happening. Yes. But as I was older, I kind of found out what actually happened was um, we came to America. And then when we came, something happened with the church or something. I'm not sure. But we... My dad moved his whole family over to California, and then we found out, oh, they don't have a spot for my dad. Mm. 
Oh. Um, yeah. And I mean, when we were young, you know, my parents didn't discuss that. Yeah. So I didn't know anything. But yeah, so they, before I had a place and we moved and then something happened, they didn't have it anymore. And I just remember that time. Um, it was just hard for me not seeing my parents all the time. Yeah. But my parents, uh, they worked really hard. They um, had to provide for the family. Um, so, uh, you know, my my dad and my mom, who's never done, like, hard labor ever before, um, she grew up kind of like a little princess of, like, you know, the daughter yeah. of the director of the orphanage that my mom, you know, my great from my great-grandfather yeah. and mm -hmm. the family orphanage. And everyone, like, took care of her very well. And she was she just taught piano and stuff like that but for the first time in america she had to do hard labor so i remember my dad and my mom would go out early in the morning to paint houses and they would come home really late and like that was really hard for me when i was young just like oh where's mom and where's yeah. where are my parents and then seeing them come home and when i give them a hug i could smell the paint from their breath and so that was, um, when I was young, I was just sad that my parents weren't home. But now looking back, it really breaks my heart because I understand like, man, like that must have been so tough for my parents. And especially for my mom who, you know, had to transition from, you know, being someone, you know, pastor's wife of a pretty big, big sized church yeah. in Korea. Um, always, you know, treated very well to coming to America where she couldn't speak the language at all and having to try to provide for the whole family with two young kids. Um, but yeah, they really grateful for them. Yeah. That is, that is a massive shift yeah. and transition in so many forms. It's like you come to mm -hmm. one thing, supposed to do one thing. And then the other thing happens, you know, like my, when we came to Canada, like my mom worked in like the mines as a cook and a cleaner sold, but the way it worked, the hours were mm -hmm. crazy, right? So she'd be gone for like six months, come back mm -hmm. for three weeks, gone for two months. So I understand exactly what you're saying about like, man, it, is, it, it, it sucks, right? Because you, you, you want to be able yeah. to enjoy certain things. But the other part of it, Sharon, that it kind of makes me think of is your parents coming over and now they're readjusting shifting and trying to make a life differently than the one they anticipated and that comes with a certain amount of expectations and discipline for the kids whether the, and it's not always by it just happens by default so there's expectations of look i'm working hard so you can be better in some form so sharon when it came from like in the household as far as expectations with school and so forth because as an asian american it's a little bit different right mm -hmm. how were you navigating through that now you're in this new world trying to figure out how it's going to work and you see your parents working this hard and they may be saying you know hey look it, it, it's 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 college or nothing right like mm -hmm. what how were you navigating through all of that as you were growing up in a world you're still trying to understand? 
Um, yeah, I think in terms of expectations, um, being the younger sibling, yeah. I think in some forms, I had it so much easier than my sister, <laughs> um, <laughs> my older sister. Yeah. And also given like my older sister, I always tell her like, oh, yeah, you're the smarter one and all that stuff. So my sister, she like at a young age was very smart. So I think my parents, especially my mom, put a lot of expectations on her and so for me I was like the a little bit uh, more free-spirited kind yeah. of uh, like oh I don't want to do tutoring no like I don't want to do this I just want to watch tv or like that yeah. kind of stuff because um, my mom was more like okay like Sharon will just let her be <laughs> and then but Christina like okay like she's she's like always been that that I guess child where it's like oh she was always smart and all that stuff mm -hmm. um so for me I think more than feeling like oh I had an expectation that I needed to meet a lot of it was more of like me wanting to I guess do the best that I can do yeah. um yeah I think that's kind of how I perceived it. Um, so, you know, like I'm here and I want to just do my best here or um, I want to try to improve this. Um, so I think in many ways, I didn't feel a lot of pressure coming from my parents. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the pressure was more kind of on my own, um, like watching my parents and seeing them work hard. Just felt like, okay, like I want to do well. I want to do well to help provide for the family i want to make my parents proud and um yeah and i want to show it and see like what i can do if i really put 100 percent of my efforts into things and Trey, i think it's important right mm -hmm. because you, you talked about you know you seeing your sister and lots of the pressure came on them but you also mm -hmm. saw it from a different angle and so you wanted to be better as best as you could be for yourself mm -hmm. but we as people put so much pressure on ourselves um, in different seasons of our lives. What were some of those pressures that you were putting on yourself, but also not just mentally, but mm -hmm. you physically did some things that got you to a certain position, especially university wise, you went to a big university, but what were some of those pressures were you putting on yourself? Was it, was it, was it in school? Was it when you got home things you had to do? Mm -hmm. What pressures were you putting on yourself? Because we do it, every day without even really yeah. thinking about it yeah definitely in school the pressure was i have to get straight a's mm. that was kind of the thing and my way of thinking was like well if someone can get straight a's why not me mm. um so i just always thought okay like if i can do this then let me do it um and also just kind of thinking about how i don't want to live with regret i said you know what like I want to study until I know I did my full best and studied every material that I can and memorize everything that yeah. is actually available for me and put my 100% effort into it. So at least I know that I gave it my best. And then if I still don't get what the mark or the grades that I want, then like I at least know I try my best. So that was kind of the pressure that I, I put on me and also, I think on a deeper level, it was more kind of, I wanted to prove myself to me and prove myself that, hey, like, I can do this. Because in many ways, um, I guess if you look at my academic history, you could say 
yeah, I did very well in school, um, was part of all the honors AP classes and things like that. But I always felt like I was the dumbest in the whole class. <laughs> like, I always felt like, oh, I don't belong here type of sense of like, wow, like everyone understands what the teacher is saying. Yeah. I have no idea. It's not registering for me. And I kind of understood like, oh, okay, like this person takes like an hour to do his homework. But for me, it takes me three hours. So I just felt like, oh, okay, like some things, yeah, I take my time. Some things come a little bit slower to me. But that's why I'm going to put in that extra effort. Mm. And that's why I'm going to work even harder to say like, hey, I can, act I can do this too. So that was a lot of pressure, just that. And then even in sports, I did competitive uh, cheerleading. So with that, actually, the expectation and the pressure came mostly in the sports, I think, um, especially from my coach who was very successful at what he does. Uh, previous to coaching our team, he was like the team that he coached mm -hmm. was state champion for like oh. the past decade. And so there was a lot of pressure on us to be the state champion and to win all yeah. the competitions and stuff like that. So I worked really hard for that too. And yeah, and in that um, my last year, we won third third place in state and i was kind of, I was kind of bummed because the previous the next year after i graduated they won state champ i was like darn it i missed my year darn but you, <laughs> yeah but in in that ways i think i put a lot of pressure on me to just be the top in whatever i do um in in the sense of like hey like if someone can do it why not you yeah yeah you know you said a whole bunch there, Sharon. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. If someone can do it, why not you? Um, I want to jump forward a bit to kind of where our paths cross, Sharon, because there are certain stories that you hear mm -hmm. people share, and it's just like, you know, that's out of a movie. That doesn't even make sense. And when we started getting to know each other a little bit, um, and you were telling me a little bit about you, I was just like, wait a minute, Sharon. Like, that's kind of like something you see in the movie, right? So you over overachieved. Uh -huh. Throughout your time in school, go to college, you do all the things that you know you could possibly do. Yeah, you may have to put a little extra hour working with everybody else, but you still did it, graduated, and you were working at one of the top uh, account executives in L.A. But, Sharon, if I remember the date correctly, I think you told me it was January 4th, 2019. I think that's what you told me. I'm hoping it's the right off the top of my memory. Mm -hmm. Mayor... Uh, you had kind of a bit of like a, a, a crisis, right? Where you realized that something was not right and things shifted for you abruptly. So like it's on paper, you have all of the things for people to say, man, it, look, she's smooth sailing, it's money, she's good. <laughs> but something in your spirit, something in your heart didn't feel right. Sharon, walk us through how you got there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Um, actually, a lot of like the brewing and that kind of started um, a while back, I think. Um, and then I think January 4th was kind of officially when I launched my e-commerce store. Yes. Um, but yeah, so just kind of going back to everything that happened. So I graduated uh, college and 
I got a job in one of the biggest uh, media companies in America. And I was uh, promoted into account executive. And I was working as one of the youngest account executives in our office, in the LA office. Um, and on paper, I guess you could say like, oh, yeah, I did everything like right, quote unquote, you know, like get good grades in school, graduate from a good college with an expensive degree, yeah. um, get a good job in the city. Uh, and, you know, just like check, 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 check. Okay, I did that. But I think, like, I just knew when I was working, just like, oh, there's so much more inside of me that I just felt kind of frustrated where I was at. Yeah. Um I felt like, oh, okay, like I did everything. I I did everything that I thought I, I was supposed to do to be quote unquote successful. I worked hard and did everything that I thought I was, you know, things that were expected of me. Yes. But I'm not happy. And when I look at the future of where this path that I'm on will lead me, like that is scary. But I don't where I'm at, I can't imagine like 10 years, 20 years down this path that I was on. And at that time, you know, I was just graduated like 20, that's my early 20s. So 22, 23, 24. Um, and I was just starting my career, but I just felt like, wow, I feel like I don't even know who I am. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> like... Mm -hmm. all my life I was just doing things in many ways to meet society expectations or you know like parents expectations of what it means to be a good daughter um, and I just felt like all this life like I'm just doing things because I thought I was supposed to be doing it mm. but I came to a point where I'm like I don't even know what I like <laughs> Yeah, like I don't even know what I like I don't even know what I'm passionate about what I'm about what I stand for what I believe in and like I don't even know who I am anymore mm -hmm. and so in that time you could say I you know <laughs> hit my quarter life crisis of like what the heck am I doing with my life yeah. um, and I started to really like seek out answers for that of like i don't like where i'm at but i have no idea where i want to be so i feel stuck yeah. like i don't like this but i don't even know where to step forward into so i can't even move forward and i'm miserable where i'm at and i just feel lost Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of where I was at and there's a lot of different things that happened in that season of me kind of wrestling with this with my identity wrestling with my future wrestling with what I need to be doing with my life um one of the things was um I started working with a career coach um and he started asking me all these questions of like hey like what are you know your top strengths and what are some of your lifestyle goals you have? What kind of lifestyle do you want to have? Like what matters to you? Yeah. What are some, you know, five potential career paths that interest you? And just really being able to put it, put things down on paper yeah. and 
be able to have all the things that's like in my head like in an organized manner really helped out a lot and I started talking with a friend of mine who was in digital marketing and he had started his own digital marketing agency he was you know an entrepreneur started multiple different businesses and one thing that I realized in kind of the process of working my career coach is that I have an entrepreneurial spirit and entrepreneurship has always been something that's been fascinating for me. So I was like, oh, okay, like this is interesting. And digital marketing was something also that was interesting. Yeah. So that's why I started talking with him and we started hopping on, you know, weekly coaching calls in some way. And he would teach me, hey, you should listen to this podcast. You should listen, read this book and hey, look into this. And I started that journey. And during that journey, that's actually how I came across you and the content that you were putting out because the guy who was uh, mentoring me was like, oh, you should download Pep Talk. And I listened to this like every morning. And then so I downloaded it and I came across some of the audios that you put up. (laughs) And I was like, man, I love this. Like talking about identity, about knowing yourself. And Mm -hmm. I used to just listen to your audio like on repeat, you know, on commute or when I'm feeling discouraged while working at, you know, in my office. I would listen to your audio and then during that time just kind of started that journey of figuring out who I am and that personal growth journey and you know that year I started uh, working with someone who was doing uh, e-commerce and learning from him how to start your own e-commerce business and then yeah and then I started (laughs) my first e-commerce business I launched it I think January 4th, um, or I was working on it before as well, but officially launched it January 4th, because I just said, I wanted to say I launched my first business when I was 24, <laughs> which honestly, it really means nothing. But <laughs> Sharon, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to see these changes that's going mm-hmm. on within you, right? And you're feeling good working with a coach, and they're helping you but it's another thing to act on that and take mm-hmm. a leap of faith, Sharon. It's not an easy step, right? And that is often the step that stops a lot of people because they don't want to fall on their face, but that's not mm-hmm. faith, right? So yeah. I want to ask Sharon, from a leap of faith standpoint, you're leaving certain comfort, certain stability. Mm-hmm. How did your faith help you take that leap? Oh, it's everything. <laughs> I don't think I can be doing what I'm doing if I didn't have faith. Yeah. Um, you know, I think growing up as like a PK pastor's kid, I always knew about God, but it was really in college when I started to understand who Jesus is and what that means to me. And I was so passionate about, about you know, the gospel and just, the reality of like, man, like this is good news and the reality that I get to live in because of Christ. But then I I guess at that time, it came to a point of frustration of like, mm-hmm. oh, I say I believe. I say I'm a believer. I know who God is, but I felt like there was a disconnect between what I know about who God is and what I know about who I am because of who God is versus the amount of action that I'm taking. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, if I actually, 
actually know and believe that God is God, that he has a good plan and purpose over my life, that he has plans to prosper me, not to harm me, plans for a future and not for harm. Like all these different things that he will instruct me and guide me that his grace is sufficient enough for me, for his power is made perfect in my weakness. If I know that, and I know that like who I am in Christ is loved, is and that he's guiding me every step of the way, then like why why am I living a life that is so safe? Mm. And I think the idea of like having faith is like you have to there faith. In some ways, it's like the same thing as risk. And when there is risk, it gives you an opportunity to have faith. When you're living life so safe, there is no opportunity for you to have faith. Because it's like, why do you need faith when everything is so safe? <laughs> so <laughs> so, so I think... The, that was the thing that kind of gave you that, that little push. <laughs> yes, because I was like, man, I'm so sick and tired of saying i believe in jesus but not acting like i actually do and mm -hmm. i'm so sick and tired of believing and saying that i'm a believer but not acting like a believer so in that time i was like okay it's time for me to actually put what i know about god and what i know about who i am and actually walk in faith and so i remember when i was launching my first uh e-commerce store i was like okay god like i have no idea what i'm doing but i feel like you're calling me out of the boat i have no idea like how to swim yeah. but i'm gonna step out in faith and trust that you will either supernaturally give me the ability to walk on water yeah. or when i wow. when i fall that you will be there to lift wow. me up wow sharon that that that's a powerful yeah. statement for the person who look they they have an idea of, of of a different vision right like they see it they can touch it but they just can't really get over that mental block of like man is it going to be worth it what's an advice that you would give sharon for someone who was at who was where you were right wanting to take that leap of faith but maybe they don't have that push what is something that you would say to to maybe encourage them to take that step? Hmm. Um, actually, this might not be something that you've heard before. Um, but I would want to encourage that person to first sit still. Hmm. Like before just taking that step out and like doing it scared. Because, you know, a lot of people say like feel the fear and do it anyways. Part of that is true. But also, like, I would just say, like, sit still and be still before God. Mm -hmm. Like, before you do anything, I think it's very important for you to understand. Like, you have to sit still and know that God is God. And, like, when you understand that, that will give you the courage to step forward. You know, it's 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 so, so good, Sharon. You know, the thing is, tell people all the time is like, man, when you take a leap of faith, you you might fall. It's, 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 it's a guarantee. There's no, yeah. there's no way you're going to be able to stand every season that comes your way. But it's like you will know that when you do fall that you can get up. 
And sometimes mm-hmm. it's not on your own strength. Sometimes you need the strength of those around you, but you need that external internal strength, right? Where if God is going to say, work with faith, right? Step mm-hmm. out of faith, faith bigger than fears. You have to work your faith, but you have to know if he is with me, then there's a good chance that I got to trust that he's going to help me. And that's what he's going to do. It doesn't make it easier because nowhere in the Bible does it say you're not going to struggle. You're yeah. going to struggle. Jesus struggled. Mm-hmm. We are going to struggle. But it is that step, Sharon, that got you to where you are today. And a big part of it, how we met at the beginning, was when you first started Millennial Life School podcast, mm-hmm. right? which you've been doing a great job. I listened to your recent podcast with John Doan, I think his name is. Uh-huh. Uh, great story as well, too. I still got to finish it. But that seed was planted when you took that leap of faith, when you went to Bali, Right, mm-hmm. you figured out kind of where your passion and alignment was. What do you remember about that time in Bali, Sharon? What was that specific seed that you said, "Man, I really want to help the youth. I may not know how, but maybe let me try this." Yeah, um, I think a lot of it was in Bali. I had to really reflect on what I want to spend my time doing. Mm. And what is meaningful for me? And and before that time, um, I remember I did this like long questionnaire. It's called like the ultimate questionnaire by uh, David. But uh, I forgot it. Oh, David. Bet David. David. Bet Patrick. Or, there's like three different. Pat- David, Patrick, Bet, David, I think. It's something like that. I know who something you're talking Something like about. that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I always forget his name because I'm like, there's three things to remember. But <laughs> <laughs> there's something David, there's something Pet, there's yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, he had this thing, like the ultimate questionnaire. And I'm very taking that, I think, back in 2018 or something like that. And at the end of the questionnaire, it boils down to three questions, which is what do you love? what bothers you and what do you hate? Mm. And in that time, basically he's talking about how when you are able to do something that touches on these three emotions, like that's when you're gonna, like that's like your sweet spot of whatever you do. And I remember I was just reflecting on those things. And at that time, um, I had that like inside of me, but I wasn't even thinking about it. But now, now, when I look back, I realize, wow, everything that I do plays on these three questions. Mm. And some things that were coming up to me is one, like, what do I love is I love, um, you know, people who share inspiring content and who are creative and who who are doing things like this. And so like storytelling, uh, inspiring others, all that stuff. I'm like, man, I love that. Yeah. And what bothers me, I wrote, it bothers me that there's people who make people believe that they can't dream big. Mm. There's people who just discourage people like, oh, you can't do that. Oh, you you won't be able to do that. Like, I remember um, when I was younger, my sister, she said, you know, this was really hurtful for her because when she was in middle school, she wrote as one of her goals to go to Harvard. And her teacher told her, oh, you can't go to Harvard. Mm. Like, you know, I'm just like, what? Like, that bothers me. That makes me really mad. Like, that's not right. And then I wrote in terms of what I love, like what I love 
what it what bothers me and then um what bothers me what i uh, what i hate and yeah so in terms of what i hate i wrote like oh i hate that there's people like young people who are so depressed mm. there's young people who don't know like what they want to do with their life and young people who are just like looking for inspiration but are just feeling so empty inside mm. and i remember i wrote those things down and i was like okay like there's got to be something that i can do and i noticed that there's this problem of like young people who just are so confused hopeless and like they they don't know what they want to do yeah. and much of it like i also felt too when i hit my quarter life crisis of yeah. like man i don't even know what i want to do yeah it was your story yeah yeah so i really felt that pain and i said hey i want to be someone who actually not just recognizes problems and pain in this world but i want to be someone who is actually brave enough to do something about the things that break my heart so um yeah and so i learned about coaching through a friend who was just like hey sharon i think you'd be really great at this and i looked into it and at that time i was still doing like the e-commerce stuff but when i discovered life coaching it just felt like man like this is something that i can do because i am me this is something that i can do because god has uniquely designed me with certain desires and talents and strength most recently i finished a certification program for the coaching startup founders. Yeah. So transition into doing a lot of work with startup founders all around the world, which has been so fun and had different opportunities to work with colleges, to do workshops on identity and leadership in college settings. And yeah, yeah, it's been a wild journey that I would have, I could have never kind of planned, you know, exactly the way it, everything turned out. But I always say just one step at a time, just one day at a time, like yeah. wake up and seek out, okay, God, what do you want me to do today? And just do that one thing. Yeah. I think I think one of the things, Sharon, what makes people want to work with you too is because you're very genuine and honest about where you are and how we can make this thing work for all of us, right? Because your heart's in the right place and you could have stood back in corporate, right? So for those listening, right, like, don't get twisted. Like Sharon was a big deal where she was, right? We were generating <laughs> millions of dollars, right? But to be able to be in a position where everything seemed right and to take a leap of faith in doing something that makes the world move forward, not saying what you did and wasn't doing it, but it wasn't touching hearts in a say. And I think that's when a person moves from just going through the motions, so to speak, but moving in, going in purpose. And when you found... You're very good at answering questions, Sharon, as you just get those three big ones. So in this season, Sharon, what, what question are you trying to answer of you? Hmm. Um, what question am I trying to answer of me? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Isn't it? <laughs> um, it's, well, it's, let me give some more context, Sharon, as you... Yeah. As you're, as you're thinking, I think I think every season, uh, uh, while it may look similar, it's a different one, right? Sometimes we're trying to figure out, okay, well, how do we maneuver through 
uh, loss or how do we build or how do we grow through this or how do we get more spiritually inclined? And I think we're always asking ourselves questions when we sit and we be still. Usually that's when the questions speak the loudest. It's not always a business question. Sometimes it's an eternal one. Uh, but we're always asking the questions, but we don't know how to answer them because we often don't know how to be intact in with that. You talk about being still earlier. That's a very important skill. So with that being it, uh, Sharon, do, is there a question in this season that you're like, man, I don't know the answer to this yet, but I'm looking to find it? Yeah, um, I think one thing is um, I'm always asking this, okay, what what now, what next, right? Um, I feel like I'm in a very interesting place right now where I've I feel like I've pretty much done everything that I wanted to do yeah. in terms of what I wanted to start or finish. Um, so a lot of like the goals that I had for myself, um, I already did it. So now I'm asking in terms of my career, like what's next? I think, well, I actually have the answer for myself, <laughs> but now the question is, okay, God, what door will you open for me? Because mm -hmm. there's certain things that I want of like, oh yeah, okay, I know this is what I want. Right. And then now it, the next part is like, okay, God, like wh which door will you bless and which one will you open? So there's a lot kind of on my mind right now as well, because I have a very unique background in digital marketing, yeah. doing e-commerce. And then during the pandemic, I started like an e uh, a digital marketing agency. So I have a unique background in digital marketing and sales and also with life coaching and executive coaching for startups. So now I'm just kind of bringing that and be like, okay, God, like what's my next step? Uh, what makes the most sense for you? And also like, what, what do you want to do? So. Yeah. Yeah. Sharon, mm -hmm. before we close out a lot of the, my audience always hears from me, but this season we do it a little bit differently where we let the guests close out the show. But I want to add some more context to it for you, Sharon, because um, now you're working with startups and you're an executive coach and you're doing some life coaching as well, too. But at the heart of it, it started with a passion and a little bit of purpose to find out, like, I want to help people. I want to be able to do more. Right. Mm -hmm. So in in the message on your heart today. I would love for you to add, how does someone find what that passion, how do they operate and move into that and finding that gift to work with it? Because a lot of people struggle with those things because people always say, I, I used to hear it a lot too when I started speaking, you know, Akeem, you can't, you can't make any money speaking. But the thing is, I wasn't operating it from the money standpoint, right? But these are all things that you hear. Mm. in the external world and they try and talk down about the ideas and the dreams and you don't give it oxygen to breathe so how does someone get from passion into movement and not just allow it to be a thought mm. um i would say ask yourself this question of what's the next step you can take towards becoming the person that you want to become. And it's not 
just about like achieving certain goals, right? It's not about like, okay, like I want to achieve X, Y, Z. But in the end of the day, I think success is when you like who you are becoming. Mm. And it's about the person. It's about the character that you're building. It's about the inner being. And everything else will come, right? Money will follow and opportunities will follow. But take action towards the person you want to be. Mm. And think about the character you want to cultivate. So if it's like, I want to be someone who is brave. I want to be someone who is strong and courageous. Then take that next step where you feel like, oh, okay, like I think this would help me to become someone who's more bold. Mm-hmm. Or this would be my next step of action towards being someone and stepping into that someone who is bold and courageous. And... Yeah, and just like if you want to be someone who is loving, then just do that next, take that next step of what feels loving to you. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, I have to, oh, I have to like serve millions of people. So I got to start a podcast that with like millions of listeners or something like that. No, just be that one loving voice. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think something that I've learned from all the years of you know doing this is i think when i started off you know in my earlier 20s a lot of it was like oh i want to like achieve this and like i chase after those like fancy shiny stuff status money etc but now i think my goal has become much more simpler which is just i want to be a friend and a sister to someone who needs a sister and a friend. Oh, wow. And that has simplified so much. And then even when I did coaching stuff before, I used to always ask like, oh, how was I? Like, oh, was I a good coach? Am I like getting the results that I want or all these different things? And And that actually caused a lot of anxiety. And also it made me feel super stressed. And then after each coaching session, I would judge my myself of like, hmm, was that was that good or whatever? But now I stopped doing that. And something that God has been teaching me is like Sharon, you can just be. Mm. And you know, Bob Goff says this. Um, he says, love, uh, the goal of love isn't efficiency. Love's goal isn't efficiency, but it's presence. And if my goal is to love people well, then my goal should be presence, which is just to be. And then now after each coaching calls or whatever, I just ask myself these three questions, based questions that are uh, grounded in like values that I want to have, which is, was I caring? Was I loving? And was I bold? And if I was that, then that's good enough. Well, that's powerful, Sharon. Uh, Bold, loving. Two things you said, you said, uh, whenever I hear the word bold and courage, uh, all in the same stratosphere, I'm like, man, that that is a reminder and encouragement for us all. Because without those two things, nothing gets done. Um, mm-hmm. Sharon, what is the best way for people to keep in touch with you or would like to work with you? Uh, listen to the podcast. Obviously, we'll put everything in the show notes below. But what is the best way for people to reach out to you and, and get in contact? 
Um, on Instagram, um, my personal page is at Sharon Kilon Hahn. And then after two years of the podcast, I just recently, for the first time, I started a separate uh, Instagram for my podcast, which is at Millennial Life School. I was very, very hesitant to start another Instagram page because I'm like, man, I can barely Actually, manage one. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then I just thought it'd be nice to just separate uh, those two. So you can follow my podcast and some of my coaching stuff at Millennial Life School. It is a brand new uh, Instagram page. Uh, and also all my coaching stuff is on my website at Sharon or ww.sharonkilonhan.com. And yeah, you can find all the all the good stuff there. <laughs> and Sharon's got a lot of good things there. And her podcast content is definitely visually pleasing and lots of good content and conversation as well, too. Sharon, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. That's one thing I always appreciate you, Sharon, is your genuine heart. And I think people can feel that and tell that. And our relationship, you've always, I'm, I'm like, you know, whatever I feel like you do is because you've really thought about it. And it's really on your heart. And that is an encouragement to see for all of us, because uh, as human beings, man, if we func- if we function more uh, using our heart and letting that lead us, obviously it does get us in trouble sometimes. <laughs> but when we remember at the core of everything, the Bible talks about love, right? And I think that's something that when we see your work, uh, we see the love in it. So, Sharon, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I will definitely be in touch. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy and grateful to be here talking with you and to be on the podcast. It's such an honor. All right, Sharon. We'll talk, Sharon. See ya. Thank you.